Good morning. It is the first time we have been here in this building, and this is amazing. Uh, we are praising the Lord with you for this building, and this, this is our prayer for San Francisco Bible Church. As you pray for us, we pray for you that, that God will not just sustain, but grow this church, and this is evidence of that. Not that a building is really anything of itself, but it's, it's just evidence that God is sustaining and growing and blessing San Francisco Bible Church. So it has been over 25 years, I'm not sure exactly how many, but uh, Victor and Virginia, where are they? They are, they are uh, kind of the constant that we think of uh, the years that, that we have been associated with San Francisco Bible, and, and we're so grateful for them, that God is sustaining them. Praise the Lord for Victor and Virginia and, uh, and their faithfulness. But we are here really to do two things, to say thank you, uh, first of all, because of the amazing support that San Francisco Bible has been to us for more than 25 years. Don't know that we could have done what we've done without you, uh, not just the financial support, but people that encourage us and come visit us and keep in contact with us. And uh, we are so grateful for all of that. And it has been um, appreciated very much. So we're also here to report this is what uh, God has been doing and where, where we're at and where he's leading us. We are accountable to you. You are one of our supporting churches uh, in, in a big way. And so we are accountable uh, to you for what we do. So we want to report what's going on and, and receive your input and, and direction and help and, and whatnot for all of that. So uh, that's that's much of what we're doing today is, is reporting. We uh, we began our our missionary ministry, missionary life um, in Honduras. We spent five years there uh, doing church planting and aviation work, and then the Lord moved us to spend some time in Utah, reaching the Mormons with Christian radio. Uh, not just any Christian radio, a very unique kind of Christian radio. The only really evangelistic evangelistic emphasis Christian radio station in the country that I'm aware of. And we have been uh, working on that for 25 years. And when we arrived, there was one AM station reaching Provo. And by God's grace, we have been able to expand that to four stations and two translators and the internet presence as well, uh, so that we now cover essentially all of southern Utah with uh, a radio presentation of the gospel so that there is a gospel available to, to these Mormon folks in, uh, in the southern part of Utah. And I, well, why not the northern part of Utah where it's more populated? Well, there are some good radio ministries already covering Salt Lake City and Ogden and the northern part of Utah. But our, really our emphasis has been to try and get radio into these communities in southern Utah uh, they have nothing else, and, and that really has been our emphasis for these 25 years, and, and God has blessed that, and we're, we're very grateful for that. But he is now moving us on to something different. We're going to take these skills that he's given us over these 25 years, and we're going to apply radio in a new way in, uh, in the country of Lebanon. And rather than try and explain that to you, we put together a PowerPoint, which I've converted into a video because it went a little smoother. So we're going to show you this little 10-minute video, which will hopefully give you a little better picture of what God is calling us into, and then we'll come and share a little bit more after that uh, from God's Word in Romans 10. So let's go ahead and air the video, and then I'll be back. Oh, quickly, please, before I forget, sign up for our prayer letter, uh, whether it's your street address or your email address or both. 
Uh, and either is fine or both is fine, but please uh, sign up for that. We'd love to have you pray for us as God brings us to mind. And maybe that'll be through a, you know, an email that you get from us or a, or a prayer letter or whatever it might be. But uh, we really believe that it is prayer that empowers anything that we might do. And we, we need that. We are, we are helpless without God's help. And prayer is part of what sustains and motivates and makes it all happen. So please pray for us as God leads. And to do that, you have to be aware. To be aware, you got to get the info. So please uh, take a prayer card, put it on your refrigerator, sign up for the prayer letter. That, that means a great deal to us. So uh, please let's go ahead and show the video. Hello. We are the Allinger family, Chris, Patty, and Matthew. We would like to take a few minutes to share with you how God has been leading in our ministry for Him. After 19 years in Utah at Key Radio, God has opened the door for us to begin a new broadcast-based ministry in Lebanon. This ministry can potentially reach every Arab-speaking country in the Middle East. While terrestrial radio has the potential to reach anyone with a radio in a certain city, Internet radio has the potential to reach anyone with a computer or cell phone on the whole planet. Lebanon is about 4,000 square miles in size. It is between the size of Delaware and Connecticut. Lebanon is the third smallest country in the Middle East after Bahrain and the island of Cyprus. Here you can see Israel in blue and little Lebanon is in red. Lebanon is also the only land in the Middle East with the kind of political and religious freedom to make this project possible. Why Lebanon? First, some information about the 1040 window. Two-thirds of the entire world's population, that's more than 4.4 billion people, live in the 1040 window. 90 to 95 percent of the people living in the 1040 window are unevangelized. Many have never even heard the gospel message once. Eighty-five percent of those living in the 1040 window are the poorest of the world's poor, and the treatment of women and children is often very bad. Only five cents out of every $100 spent on missions globally is directed toward this 1040 window, and that's 0.0005% of all missions money designated to bring the gospel to an area containing 66% of the world's population. Why? Well, because it's hard. 45 of the 50 worst countries in the world for persecution of Christians are in the 1040 window. In many of the 69 nations, witnessing the Christian gospel or proselytizing is illegal and will result in imprisonment or death. A majority of the world's terrorist organizations are based in this 1040 window as well, and children as young as 18 months old are trained to be jihad soldiers. Many of these young people are taught to believe that the only good Christian is a dead Christian. Imagine how hard it is then to try to convince them to become a Christian. This area is resistant to the gospel and has well-established religions and governments that are contrary to the Christian message. In spite of all this, is God working? Is there anything spiritual happening in this least evangelized area of the planet? According to Joel C. Rosenberg's book, Epicenter, more Muslims have converted to faith in Jesus Christ over the past decade than at any other time in human history. And according to Operation World, evangelicals are growing at an unprecedented rate, with many coming from Muslim and even extremist backgrounds. Now this brings us back to the question, so why Lebanon? Lebanon is still the only land in the Middle East where people are free to decide to change their religion, that is, to change it from Islam to something else. 
Lebanon is not hostile to the gospel, making it the perfect place where men from other Arab nations can come and receive theological training, and in our case, gospel radio broadcasting training, so they can return and lead and serve in underground churches in those countries. So let me tell you a little bit about ABOM. Arabic Bible Outreach Ministry began in 1998 when Michael Hodge, a Lebanese computer engineer, created a website to offer a free Arabic Bible to anyone who asked. That's a very simple thing, but he believed, as we believe, that the Word of God, the Gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. Demand grew, and he then published the Arabic Bible in electronic format to make it available on the Internet. Mr. Hodge began to add other computer and internet outreach tools, and ABOM was born. Well, let's start with the end goal of ABOM, the church. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The church is God's primary means of accomplishing his plans in this age. This may surprise you, but the building blocks of the church are not just believers, they are disciples. The true building blocks of the church are Christians who are learning and growing and reproducing. Jesus' final command to his disciples was to go and make more disciples, Matthew 28. The core of ABOM's ministry is the discipleship ministry. The evangelism and Bible distribution and apologetics and Bible study helps are all designed to bring people to the disciple phase. Seekers who connect with one of ABOM's ministries are followed up and directed to deeper discipleship relationships and to local churches. Currently, there are 65 people in personal discipleship relationships. There could be many more, but more teachers are needed. There are 18,200 who have registered since the beginning in 2009 to take one or more of their online Bible courses. About half of those have completed two or more of those course units. 83,000 have downloaded one or more of the Bible or Bible study apps for cell phones in one of three languages. And uh, it contains audio and video messages, apologetics materials, and Bible FAQs, as well as study aids. 450,000 are regularly receiving ABOM's Facebook posts. ABOM has distributed thousands of Bibles into Muslim lands. 15,000 more Bibles recently arrived in Lebanon specifically for the refugee outreach ministry near the Syrian border. Speaking of the Syrian refugee ministry, it is just getting off the ground, and it includes a school for Syrian children, There are currently about 120 involved. They could double that with just a few more workers. Bibles and Bible study materials are given to parents, and there are programs and in-home visits for the parents of those children as well. Well, numbers are not necessarily a guarantee of a ministry's effectiveness, but these numbers tell me that there are many, many Muslims in search of spiritual truth beyond Islam, and that they are finding it through ABOM's ministries. The Internet has become a significant path to truth for those in countries where spiritual truth is very hard to find. As you know, Internet and cell phone use and social media has been growing exponentially, and the time is right to claim those opportunities for the gospel. Every day in the Middle East, there are 36,000 new Facebook users. About one-half of the population in the Middle East have access to the Internet currently, and 88% of those who are online in the Middle East use social media daily. 
know a little bit about our role in the ministry. One of ABOM's next projects is to integrate an internet radio station into their ministry network. We have been working in radio in Utah for almost 20 years, trying to reach a difficult people group, the Mormons. And we want to take these skills that we have learned and reach out to a new people group, Arabic-speaking Muslims. Men from multiple Arab countries will be trained to produce broadcast programs targeting their specific region and culture and dialect. Their programs will become part of the new Internet broadcast, locally advertised on a network of social media. Our primary role will be to help develop that project. Here's how the Internet radio broadcast will work. A man from Egypt, for example, expresses interest in reaching Egyptians through an Internet broadcast. He is interviewed and approved by ABOM to be trained. He comes to Lebanon to receive training and discipleship if desired. He returns to Egypt and begins creating his program in his own culture and Arabic dialect and uploads the audio to the ABOM server to be aired live or stored for airing later. Social media is used to announce the upcoming programming in their language and dialect, and then social media advertising campaigns, which target a broader audience in his country and elsewhere, about the program created especially to meet their spiritual interests. The program is aired at the scheduled time on the ABOM Internet channel, and it is available to every Egyptian in the world who wants to tune in to the stream. Other programming from other countries and dialects of Arabic air at other times, and they are similarly marketed to them specifically. Those who show interest are followed up in a number of ways. What are the ultimate goals of this ministry project? First, establishment of indigenous self-producing churches. Second, that local churches and believers reach large numbers of their own countrymen. And third, evangelism can be done live with little risk and low exposure to authorities. As many as 420 million people around the world speak Arabic, making it the sixth most spoken language. It is estimated that over 160 million of them have Internet access either at home or increasingly on their smartphones, and about half of them have Facebook accounts. If only 1% are actively seeking spiritual truth, that means that there are over 1.5 million who could find it on the Internet if they knew where to look. Where can they go to hear that truth? Our goal is to make sure that place is available. Then once they have found it, to connect them with someone who can speak with them personally, offer them Bibles and Bible study materials, and connect them with a Bible-believing church. We are asking God for one million converts from Islam to Jesus in the next 10 years. Is that too ambitious? I don't think so. When God moves, He does it in dramatic ways. And John 4.35 still applies. Jesus said, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. We hope you will join us in praying for this exciting outreach opportunity in the 1040 window. between radio in Utah and radio in Lebanon is when people would ask us, well, how many people listen to your radio station? We have no way to know. There's no, there's no uh, Arbitron that keeps track of who listens to what in our vicinity. And so we get very little uh, clues as far as how many people are actually listening to the radio station in Utah. 
But in internet radio, I mean, you can tell how many people are listening, where they're listening, uh, how long they listen, uh, what they listened to, what they liked and didn't like. I mean, you have all these analytics that you can analyze and see exactly what you're doing and, and where. So we will have a lot of exact numbers that we'll be able to work with now that we're uh, going from terrestrial radio to internet radio, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. We, uh, we want to share a little bit from God's Word, too, because... Well, that's why we're here. It's God's word uh, that is the power of God and salvation. And, and I want to think a little bit about the gospel process. Um, have you ever thought about how someone gets saved? When I went to Bible college, uh, I thought about this a lot. I, I had this, this hunger to reach out to people with the gospel that, that God had, had put in my heart. And so I I thought, well, the more you know about this process of how a person gets saved, well, you should be able to be more effective at planning strategies for evangelism. And I know it's true that there is no template. God saves people in many, many different ways. That uh, It doesn't always happen the exact same way that someone gets saved. But nevertheless, in Romans 10, uh, God has, has given us kind of an outline of a, a typical salvation process that happens. And uh, I want to take a few minutes, I think it's worth uh, doing that, to consider this process that we're given here in Romans chapter 10. And Paul has been talking about eternal life. Of course, that's Paul's theme, especially in Romans 10. He's been talking to people about how salvation is not a matter of good works, but it's a matter of your faith in Christ. Um, That the gospel is available to all and not just the Jews, and this has been a radical concept for this time, uh, for his day. He's been talking about how salvation is received through saving faith in Jesus Christ. And, and then he gives this summary in verses 13 through 15 of this process. I, I call it a typical process of how someone comes to know Christ as Savior. And uh, just reading through it, it says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And then as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Well, notice here, as I began to study this, I noticed that that Paul lists this process of how a person comes to Christ in reverse, he starts with salvation, and then he kind of works backwards. And what I would like to do this morning is to take this and turn it around and look at this chronologically. Let's examine this verse as it happens from the beginning, as he ends it in verse 15 with this, uh, this step of, of someone is sent, is the beginning of this process. The next uh, step, if we kind of work backwards from verse 15 and 14 and 13, Uh, We see that they preach. Uh, And then the next step is someone hears. After someone hears, they believe. In other words, faith is born in them, in their heart. Step five, they call. Going beyond mental assent, someone calls out. We'll look at that in a little more detail. And then the sixth step, they are saved. And I think it's very significant that God uses preaching as his main avenue of drawing people to himself. 
he involves us, us flawed, limited human beings in this process. And that, that is extremely amazing to me that he would do that. He could have used angels. He could have used visions. He could have just put it in people's hearts. He, in many ways, he could have drawn people to himself and involved and, and, and made this process happen of people getting saved. But instead, he involves us in the process. And that, that, that is a huge honor and blessing and privilege for us as, as mere mortals to be involved. Uh, by including us in the process, he has given us this great honor. Well, the first step in the process is that someone is sent to share the gospel message. And the understanding here is that they are sent by God. They're not sent primarily by a church. Uh, it's not primarily their own idea, although he involves those things in this, in this whole process of, of, of calling and sending someone. But a primarily someone is sent to share the gospel message. And this, this word sent, the Greek word for it is, is apostello. Uh, it's good for us to, to go back and look at the meaning of the words. Often we can read the Bible and we might uh, get an idea of what it means and we can be totally wrong. We can be off base because we make some assumptions about what this word means, what the, how this word is defined. And even in English, we look at a word and there can be four or five definitions in the dictionary for this one word. Uh, and we have to look at the context to truly understand what the word means. And it's the same thing in Greek. We want to look at the individual words. This is not something that requires Greek scholarship. Anyone can, can get access to a concordance, a Greek dictionary. Uh, and as you're trying to truly understand the meaning of a passage, get the definition of those individual words so that we don't get off base. We don't get wrong theology. We don't get error in our understanding of God's word. And so just... Very superficially, even looking at this Greek word uh, sent is, is apostello. Of course, that sounds like the word apostle, which is where the word comes from. The word means to set apart, it means to send out on a mission. You know, no one today holds the office, the biblical office of an apostle, but we are all sent ones. We are all sent out. We all have a, a, a calling, a mission that God gives us, and that can change throughout life, but we are all sent for a purpose. We are all, we, he leaves us here. He saves us and calls us with a holy calling. He gives us something to do to bring honor and glory to him, be part of the process of, of uh, reaching the world for him. Uh, we all have part of that, and we are saved. We, we gain a new heart. Uh, as I, I mentioned Second Timothy 1.9, he saved us and called us with a holy calling. And it's not according to our works, but it's according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us. He gives us a calling, a purpose when he saves us, uh, even before time began. So our job, and we do have a job, we all have a job to be involved in this process, whether small or big, but our job is not to save people. That's God's job. Our job is, in, in one form or another, to present, to share, to offer the message. Uh, some, sometimes it's just in the way we live our lives. Sometimes it's in the, in the words that we use to communicate with people. Uh, sometimes it's in supporting missions. It's, it's many different ways that we are involved in this process, but we each have a part in it. God gives us this new heart he, to see the people around us and to have a burden for them. And, and, and we, we don't want to see them go to hell. We want to see them saved. God has saved us. We want to, to see other people uh, gain that, that salvation, that confidence, that promise of eternal life that he's given us. Uh, and so he's given us a new heart. He's also given us a new purpose. And we have talked about First, uh, Second Timothy 1, 9 already. But just that the emphasis on 
on our job being that of a messenger. Uh, that takes a lot of the pressure off of us. It's God's job to save them. We don't have to make sure somebody gets saved every time we talk to somebody about Jesus. We, we just have to make sure that, we, that the message gets presented, uh, and then it's jo- uh, God's job to do the rest. I don't know if you remember a fellow named Isaiah. Uh, back in the Old Testament, there was a certain phrase that Isaiah is known for. Uh, he has this vision, and in this vision, he hears a voice who will go? Uh, who, will, who will do the job? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And that's what we know Isaiah for, for that phrase, here am I, send me. We don't always think about the, the, what's behind all of that. We have just jump over to Isaiah chapter 6 with me for just a second. In, uh, in Isaiah 6, verses 8 through 10, we have Isaiah's calling Uh, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send who will go for us? And then we have Isaiah's response, here am I, send me. Then we have Isaiah's commission. He accepted the the commission, and now here it is. God said, okay, you're willing to go. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, Isaiah 6, 9, go and tell this people, the Jewish people, the Israelites, keep on hearing but do not understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. I don't know about you, but this is not a commission I would want. This is not the calling that I would hope for. Um, God tells Isaiah, your commission is not going to be an easy one. You you will see no revival. Uh, There's going to be nobody show great appreciation for your ministry. You're not going to see any results no victory, just obedience to God for what he needs to have done. Um, his job was not to uh, announce a great revival or a, a turning to God or, or, a, or a, a repentance by the Jewish people. Uh, his, his job was simply to announce a coming judgment uh, for their rebellion and their rejection of God. And so uh, he was rejected, people hated him, uh, he was despised. The same thing, essentially, was, was Jeremiah's message. Uh, not the kind of commission that I would want, and yet a job that needed to be done, uh, and Isaiah did it. Sometimes working in Mormon land, uh, we feel like a little bit like Isaiah. We, we see not a lot of results. The gospel is being presented, the message is being given, but not a lot of results happen. But yet there still is a sense of fulfillment, of purpose in doing what you know that God has given you to do, even though there is little results. But behind that is this, this sense that we are, we are simply called to be the messenger, and we are not called to save people, and if God wants to save them or doesn't want to save them, that's up to him. But we, we are doing our job. We are being the messenger. And so don't be discouraged when you give the message often or over and over, and you don't see the results that you would like to receive. Think about poor Isaiah. He saw no results. He saw rejection. He saw uh, antagonism by people, not, not response. Uh, and that was his job. That was what God had given him to do. But there is fulfillment in it. If only one person uh, escapes eternity because of the job that God has given us to do, uh, I'm going to consider that a victory. We hope for more, but it's really it's up to God for the results. So step one, they are called. And then step two, they preach. There's an understanding here that they preach the truth from God's word. 
The word preacher, Greek word for that is keruso. It simply means a herald, uh, a public crier, somebody who goes from village to village giving out the message that the king wants communicated uh, to his people. It's to proclaim or to publish. It could also be translated. It's anyone who communicates a message publicly. And so this isn't necessarily a pastor or a missionary. Uh, It is really anyone who communicates a message publicly. It refers to anyone who proclaims or publishes or otherwise communicates that gospel message. You know, the Apostle Paul, he went from marketplaces to river banks where people were gathered to... um, 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 synagogues. Uh, He went from place to place to communicate the message to whoever would listen. And today's marketplace is is television. It's radio. It's the internet. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9.22, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And I kind of really grab onto that phrase, by all means, because we are embarking on a new project in Lebanon, internet radio. Uh, it's something I have basically no experience in. I have lots of experience in radio, and we're going to try to apply that to internet radio, but there's still quite a bit to learn because there there are some things that transfer over, but in some ways it's it's going to be very new and unique. So uh, I'm, I'm working on learning what I need to learn before we jump into this ministry. But we're trying to reach Muslims, basically from Morocco to Iraq and beyond, just because it's one more potential means to reach people with this gospel message. So they are sent, they preach, and then step three, someone hears. And and the implication here is that they hear the true message. Now, there are many false messages out there in the world today, but there is a true message, and that true message will and can result in conversion, salvation, faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, the word here, akuo in Greek, means to understand or to receive communication. So it's not necessarily just through the ear. It's, it's a, a comprehension of a message. Everyone with kids knows there's a difference between hearing uh, what you say and, and truly understanding. Uh, that's why we have the phrase, in one ear and out the other. And we've all probably used that. And especially if you have children, you, you know how this works. Uh, even if the gospel message is heard, it may not really sink in. Why? How does that, why does that happen? You can communicate over and over again the truth of the gospel. Someone can hear it, someone can nod, but it may not result in any change whatsoever in that person's thinking. Well, that's because the Holy Spirit must, must intervene. The Holy Spirit must open the ears, as it were, must open the understanding, must give them ears to hear Remember when Jesus said um, in Mark 8, 23, and, and this phrase is found eight times in the Gospels, but in, in Mark 23, Jesus is uh, quoting from Deuteronomy. He says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, it's because there must be a kind of hearing that goes on. There's more than one kind of hearing. Deuteronomy 29, 4, which is what Jesus is referring back to, uh, God is speaking to the nation of Israel, and they are in rebellion. But he says to them, yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. Uh, God had not done that work in the ear, in the heart, uh, to make that kind of hearing happen among the nation of Israel. Because even faith is a gift. 
so there is more than one kind of hearing. They have to hear uh, with, that, with that element of faith involved that requires the Holy Spirit's interac- interaction, intervention. And then step four, they believe. Uh, and, and this is under, the understanding here is that they believe with saving faith, not just a mental thing. It's a, it's a genuine saving faith. Um, it's a faith which repents. It's a faith, a faith which turns from sin and self-righteousness, and it turns toward God. So, you know, just like there's more than one kind of hearing, there is more than one kind of believing. Uh, we're familiar with the book of James, chapter 219. It says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So James's point is, okay, you say you believe, but how is your faith different from the faith of, of a demon? Demons certainly believe that there is a Christ, that he died for the sins of the world. Demons are not saved. They believe these facts, these elements that we call the, 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 the elements of the gospel, but they're not saved. And individuals, human beings, can be the same way. They can believe these these facts of the gospel. You know, Jesus was a real historical figure. He died on a cross. Uh, he came to save men from their sins. Believing on Jesus results in salvation. People can believe these facts, but not personally uh, receive it, not personally accept it, choose it, believe it in a, in a saving way. So there's a difference between believing the facts and, and saving faith. My understanding of salvation used to stop with this idea of believing. You know, I thought, well, they believe they're saved, right? If they believe they're saved, but not necessarily. It's possible to believe the facts, but not have a saving personal faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. Uh, God says that there is something else that happens in the human heart. And that is this next step that we often, I think, don't fully work into our theology of salvation, of how it works. Uh, there must be a calling. They call. Um, I'm not even going to try and, and pronounce this Greek word, uh, but the idea of it, this, this word for call, means to appeal to, to call on, to call upon. Uh, mental assent stops short of calling out to God for salvation. Saving faith follows through. Saving faith is a quality of faith that responds by calling out to God for pardon and forgiveness. So it's a making it personal kind of of idea here. We're familiar with Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Um, Notice it doesn't say believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think there's a difference. I think that that there's a believing in the facts and that's different than believing on. It's a, it's a, I like to use the word trust. You, what do you trust in for your salvation? What do you trust in to make you right with God? Do you trust in what you do? Do you trust in how you live? Do you trust in the church you go to? Or do you trust in what Jesus did on the cross for your sins? That's the difference between believing in and believing on. It involves this idea of calling, reaching out personally uh, and accepting it. Uh, And this is not describing some additional step required for salvation. It's simply describing the kind of faith that saves. Uh, That's really the whole point of the book of James. Saving faith hears the message, understands and believes its implications, and reaches out personally uh, to receive it. Faith that stops short of reaching out to receive is not saving faith. So that's really the difference between being offered a gift 
and receiving the gift. If somebody brings it and sets it in front of you and you nod and smile very nicely and walk away, you haven't received the gift. It's been given to you. It's been put in front of you. But before, until you receive it and open it and accept it, it doesn't belong to you. It's not yours. And it's the same concept with salvation. It requires more than simply uh, knowing the facts. It requires a, a personal receiving and choosing and accepting. And then finally, the, after that happens, then they are saved. The final step in the process, the Greek word again is sozo. Anybody ever have sozo tea, S-O-Z-O? You've seen the, the little bags of sozo tea? The, the, that word sozo comes from the, the Greek word for health or healthy. Uh, but it has, it has a pretty broad meaning. It's not just health. Uh, and it doesn't, doesn't just mean save. Both are included. It can be translated safe, to save, to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, or to make whole. All of these concepts are included in this idea of sozo, of, of, of salvation. Uh, it's not just a ticket to heaven. Salvation is healing and protection and wholeness. Because when God saves, he does it on every level. So it's not just you get to heaven. The word, of, the word idea of saved, just think of it in a much broader sense. Uh, it's, a, it's a healing on many different levels. So what about you? You know, I don't assume that everyone here has made that, that step between a mental ascent kind of faith and a true salvation, trusting in Jesus for Savior kind of faith. Has, has each and every one of us here made it personal and reached out to receive the gift that God has offered. And if you have not, it is so easy to do. It is simply a a thing that happens in your heart that says, God, I I know I need your forgiveness, your salvation. I, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need to have that resolved so that I can be made right with you, go to heaven when I die, however phrase you want to use that. But you can do that right where you're sitting. But for those of us who have not who have made that decision, who know that we are saved, who know that uh, God has provided that salvation for us and, we, and we've made that personal choice to receive it and accept it and we are genuinely right with him from here into eternity. If that has happened, then there is a burden in your heart for the lost people around you and that can ebb and flow, but God has put a new heart in each of us who know him as savior. And there is a hunger to uh, to, to reach out to people if, if that is a, uh, genuinely happened in your heart. And, and what I'd like to just end this message with is, is giving us a few tools that we can use, a few attitudes, a few uh, changes in thinking, a few uh, th- things that can help us to be better at reaching out to the people around us. And, and I really think that that starts with an attitude of outreach, it's, our attitude is so critical in uh, our effectiveness for God and, and, and what we do and don't do. Thank you. I don't know if you guys are making sure that I keep up, but I do appreciate it uh, with the PowerPoint. Uh, we can take the offensive without being offensive. You know, the Bible says that the laborers are few, and we saw that uh, even in the, in the video, but that is true, I think, because evangelism is work. It is, there's a certain amount of effort involved to prepare ourselves, to memorize a, a verse or two, to, uh, to, to plan how we would approach a certain person, and then to actually do it. It takes a, a certain amount of 
of, uh, of, of boldness and faith. And, and so it, it is work. And the question is, do we think of ourselves as laborers uh, or as spectators? You know, is our Christian walk more like a day at the ballpark? I don't know how many people have been to an A's game at Candlestick, but wait, is A's? No, it's the Giants at Candlestick. Yeah, I've been there once, but I don't, I'm not a... I'm not the biggest of baseball fans, but, you know, we go to the ballpark and sometimes a ball gets hit into the stands and once in a while you get to go home with a baseball. Uh, It probably hasn't happened to anyone here. It's a pretty rare occurrence, but it does happen. But do we think of ourselves as spectators and, and, and we, we only get involved if somebody hits a ball in our direction or do we think of ourselves more as the players who are on the field? who are actually involved in the, in the ball game. And I think that's the difference between uh, whether we are actively involved in reaching out to people with the gospel or we just kind of wait and see if something happens and, and somebody comes and begs us to tell them how to get saved. Uh, we, we, we can be proactive. We can have an attitude of outreach that looks for those opportunities that God gives us. Because I really think they happen more often than we think because we're just not looking for them. So we start with an attitude of outreach. And then I think it helps if we can express an attitude of love. You know, it's easy to have a a negative attitude toward folks like the Mormons who come to our door and are trying to convert us into a, a false religious system. Uh, we can we can take offense at that, and maybe rightly so. But before we do, let's consider the fact that these are people for whom Christ died, and they are facing a Christless eternity unless somebody shares the gospel with them. And it, and maybe it will be us, but that's there's going to be no opportunity for that if our attitude toward them is is angry and hostile and antagonistic. Yes, they are, in a sense, they're the enemy, but really they are victims of the enemy. And the only way that we are going to have any potential uh, for reaching them with the gospel is if we show them an attitude of love. Well, how can we do that? I've had opportunity in Utah to go door-to-door, which is kind of ironic, uh, door-to-door in Utah where you know the Mormons are known for going door-to-door everywhere else in the world, but... When you do that, after a while, you begin to get a sense of people's attitude. As they open the door, you can, you can just see it on their face. You can tell within a few seconds, is their attitude going to be hostile? Is it going to be impatient? Is it going to be um, some way negative? Uh, or is it going to be receptive and interested? And it, it takes just a very few seconds before you can tell how someone is going to to be receptive to what you are trying to present. And the same is true for those who are knocking on your door. When you open the door, they're going to be able to tell within a few seconds whether this is going to be, this is going to go well, or whether they're just going to have to go through the motions and go on to the next door. Well, we want want them to see an attitude of concern for their eternal destiny uh, in our face when we open the door. Um, You know, don't look out the window or look out the curtain and, and... refuse to open the door. Use this opportunity to show them the love of Jesus. Just the, the, the concern that you show for their eternal destiny, is, are they likely going to convert to Christ at your doorstep? Very unlikely. That happens, but more than, than not, you are going to be simply one step in the process that God will use. 
And by, by uh, communicating the gospel to them in an attitude of love, there's a very good chance that God will use that in that process. And so let's take that chance. Let's not show them hostility. Let's show them Jesus' love. He came and showed love to those who, who tortured and killed him because of his love for them. And we can have at least a little bit of that love for those people who come to our door. Three, express uh, or apply the word. Adopt an attitude of outreach, express an attitude of love, apply the word. As we've said more than once already, the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you know, that doesn't mean you have to be ready for every possible argument that is going to be presented. You simply have to know the truth of the gospel in a simple, communicable way uh, and, and be, be ready to communicate that and share that with somebody else and then let God take your halting, stumbling uh, attempts and use that for his honor and glory. Have a verse ready. Um, we, we can't always carry a tract around with us or, or a New Testament uh, wouldn't hurt, but we can always carry around in our brain a verse or two of the Bible that can be used in an evangelistic opportunity. Uh, you know John 3.16. Great. Use John 3.16. But I would like to suggest another possible verse that I have found to be very useful, very effective. Um, the, the verse is Romans 6.23. So uh, grab that verse. Maybe you already know it, but it, it is, it's even shorter than John 3.16. It's um, uh, now, of course, my mind goes blank as soon as I uh, have to present it. But Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's, it contains both the good news and the bad news part of the gospel. The bad news, the wages of sin is death. And you've got that transition word, that word of hope, that word but. There is hope, but the gift of God is eternal life. That word gift is such a great word to park on and explain what a gift is, that the gospel is, a, is an offer of a free gift. It's not something you have to work for. You try to work for a gift. What happens? That, that's an offense to someone. Somebody offers you a gift. You say, well, let me wash your car. How offensive is that? That's, like, we, that's what we do when we tell God, well, I, I'm going to try and be the best person I can so you'll accept me and, and forgive my sins. That's, that's trying to work for the gift. And you can try to explain this to people. Uh, I, I think that's a very effective means to present the gospel. Using this, this John 6, Romans 6.23 verse, uh, it's simple to memorize. It's simple to use as a, as a gospel presentation. It contains those elements of the gospel. It's something that you carry around with you. You never have to worry about whether you've left it behind. Uh, and grab that, that verse. Use that verse. With tracks, without tracks, uh, it's a great tool to use. Okay, next, your testimony. Another great tool you can have with you. Have a verse, have your testimony. I don't know if, if you've ever had the opportunity to uh, actually think through and be able to communicate your testimony to someone. What's your testimony? Well, this is how God saved me. This is what happened that day I got saved. This is what I was like before and what I'm like now. And uh, What are those elements, though, of this, of this testimony? What would I have to include? And I encourage you, jot it down. Take a half sheet of paper and write it out so that you're familiar with it and ready to present it if you haven't done that before. But it, it's a great tool that you can use. And I, I have uh, encouraged uh, these simple elements to include. Um, Okay, first of all, what I was like before. This is, what, this is how I used to live. This is the kind of person I used to be. 
uh, what I believed before. You know, I used to believe that as long as your good deeds outweighed your bad deeds, that God had to be okay with that. I mean, or I used to believe that I went to church and that made me a Christian, or whatever it is you used to believe. And then what caused this change in belief or thinking? You know, one day I listened to this Christian radio program and I, and I realized that it wasn't by good works that a person got right with God. You know, that, I was saved through Christian radio. So I, uh, I have this point I can look back on and this book on, um, on assurance that was being read over the radio where I begin to understand that it wasn't by works, it was by faith that a person came to be right with God. And, I, and you can communicate that in a few words. And then step four, this is what I believe now. Now I believe that it's by trusting in what Jesus did and not trusting what I do because the Bible says that he died on the cross for my sins and that it's a gift and not a work. And, and, uh, and this is what I am like now. And now I... I I have a confidence. I know for sure I'm going to heaven. Uh, I didn't ever think that was possible, but now I, uh, from, the Bible tells me I can know this because 1 John 5.13 says that we can know for sure that we're going to heaven. That's an amazing thing. I never realized this. You can, go, you can share your testimony. You can communicate it uh, simply uh, and, and, and just throw in a few verses in there because it's the word of God that God will use along with your love and your testimony, your story. Uh, you put these together and, and you become an evangelist. Uh, so use your testimony. Know your testimony. Be ready to offer it when you have that opportunity. Sometimes it's tricky though, all right? You're talking to someone, you, wow, what should I say next? Or I don't have an answer for that. Or what was that I was supposed to tell them? Or what's going to be most effective in this situation? And, and, and you're starting to backpedal and you're starting to feel lost and they seem to be all prepared and I'm not. And what do I do now? And well, you ask some questions. Questions give you an opportunity to, th- to think about what, what can I use here that can be most effective in trying to reach someone. Uh, questions show that you care about this person and, and um, uh, their life and, and what they're going through. And you, you be, well, what do you believe about eternal life? And uh, do you have any kind of religious background? Or you, you just start throwing some questions out and that, that starts to, it gives you some time, but it also uh, opens doors for uh, places where you can insert either your testimony or a, a scripture or something that God can use. So ask questions. It's a great uh, way to, to show your concern for someone. And, and then and not, you're not just waiting for an opportunity to hit them with a verse or to attack what they say. or You're showing concern for what they're saying and you're listening and you're, you're, you're attentive and you're showing that love that will come across, and then that also gives opportunities uh, for particular places to share the gospel uh, as they answer. The last step, the last point, uh, I want to encourage us to pray. And, you know, we all say, yeah, well, we should pray, and we all know we should pray, and we all know prayer is a part of things, but you know, I think we often get discouraged because we sometimes go for years and, and don't see answers to prayer that we've been praying or God answers in ways that we're not too excited about. And so we begin to feel like, well, maybe prayer isn't all that important or isn't all that effective or maybe I'm not doing it right or is it really worth it? Well, prayer is, a, is an act of faith because we don't always see the answers and we don't always see quick answers. Uh, Sometimes we don't get answers. And so it, it is an act of faith to do this thing 
that we don't see results for. But Jesus did it. All the apostles did it. Everybody in the Old Testament did it. You know, these, these Old Testament uh, saints that we read about, they prayed because they believed that God was listening and that it would make a difference. And we believe that because God says that it does. And so even when it seems like there is not an effectiveness to prayer, even when it seems like God is answering whether I pray or not, or God isn't answering even though I pray, when we do it anyway, it's an act of faith. And God responds to an act of faith. Prayer is an act of faith that calls on the Holy Spirit to enter the battle. And in, especially in talking about evangelistic opportunities, this is a battle that's going on. There's a spiritual warfare happening that we cannot see. And is there anyone that you would rather have on your side in a spiritual battle than the Holy Spirit? So pray even though it may not seem like uh, it's an effective thing to do. Do it because it's a step of faith. You know, I believe that Jesus' words are still true when he said, look unto the fields, they're white unto harvest. There is still a remnant here in San Francisco, in the Middle East. I don't know if you saw, paid attention to one of those slides where it showed this area of the Middle East was all red. There were a couple of them like that, but it was showing the least evangel or the least, I guess it was the least evangelized area of the planet, this, this area in the Middle East. Uh, and you, we can look at that and we can be discouraged. Wow, there's, there's such a big area that is so unreached. But I, I thought about that. And I thought, you know, the whole planet used to be red. And now it's like it's shrinking, it's shrinking, it's shrinking to this area where now the least evangelized area is this area in the Middle East, including India and uh, Thailand and some of these areas. But, but this, this 1040 window, it, it's, it is shrinking. It is getting smaller. God is working. He is making that area green bit by bit, but it is shrinking. God is working. It, something is happening. And it's going to get to a certain point where he says, all right, that's it. That's the cutoff date. But until then, that area is getting smaller. And so there is encouragement that God is still calling people. It is still the day of salvation. If it's true, if God is still calling out a people into his name, even in an increasingly secular society, our challenge is to find new ways to reach out with the gospel to those whom God is calling. He's convicting. He's drawing to himself. And some of those methods might be the internet, social media, uh, and there, there are area, there are things, there are tools that have not even been thought of yet. And maybe some of us will be those who think of these new ways, these new means to bring the gospel to areas of the planet that that, that don't have it yet. Uh, so maybe you will have this this next great idea. But in the meantime, fulfill your calling for today, and the, and then just take that next step and move closer to that calling that God has given you closer to that effectiveness uh, as a outreach tool that he has made you to be. Let's take a minute to pray. Father, we thank you that you would allow us to be involved in this process of reaching people for eternity, Lord, that we cannot even grasp this concept of eternity, but thank you that we can be part of what you're doing. Help us each to be just a little more effective today uh, in reaching out to people for you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.